you're an independent artist, you're an independent business owner, and there has to be some systematic structure of how you approach your ability to grow and having goals and sitting all doing all those things that like, when I hear I'm just like, bah, listen to this song doesn't make you feel good. Hello, and thank you for listening. This is the Benchmark Podcast, where each week we create breakthroughs in the creative lives and businesses of our guests, who are artists, creatives, and small business owners. This week, my guest is Ryan Inez, an extremely talented singer, songwriter, and musician who has appeared on the TV shows Songland and The Voice, where he earned a four-chair turn, and who I've been lucky enough to call a friend for a very long time. In today's episode, we talk about different income streams for musicians, growing from musician to business owner, and honing your craft to become undeniable, so good that people can't ignore you. This is typically where you'd hear a sponsor message, but since this is a podcast to help promote the Benchmark app, I'll just tell you to go check out the free training we have for you at our website, benchmark.app, where you can learn more about this tool we've built to help people like you get control over the results of your business. All right, Ryan, dude, I'm so glad that you're here and I'm excited to have this conversation. Our lunches and the times we get to chat are like my favorite times. Uh, Agreed, yes. So thank you for being here, for being on the podcast. Um, So Ryan, for those who are not familiar is an extremely talented musician and singer songwriter uh you. you may recognize him and if not that's unfortunate because that means you haven't seen or heard him and you need to fix that asap so go check out ryan and his online we'll put links everywhere so you can go see him but ryan uh to start out i'd love to just uh talk about what you do how'd you get into you know singer songwritering and being a musician and what's kind of your your work look like right now? What is it that you do? Um, well, music's been a huge part of my life from the very beginning. I'm the oldest of seven kids and my mom's side of the family was super musical. She had us some piano lessons when we were like four or five all the way through school. We were in the choirs all the way through school and it was always something that was a part of our life. And then I just kind of took to it in some major ways later on. I, I really started to write piano music. I never started with singing music. I didn't actually know how to really sing until like in high school. And then after that, I didn't take voice lessons until I was like 25 at BYU. Um, I, but music had always been around. And so I, uh, I started writing songs for real, probably in my mid twenties. Um, it was then that I learned how to play piano and sing at the same time um, until my mid twenties. And I've been developing that, working on that through, you know, live gigs, through re- recording and releasing my own music, through being on a couple of different TV shows um playing up at a lounge up in montage up in your valley i've had that for like eight years you know three hours a night three nights a week kind of thing so it's been like really just developing still even and i'm you know i'm 42 months like i'm still developing even at my age so That's awesome. right now right now what i'm working on specifically because of the time of covid is uh, i'm creating proprietary content that can be used for any variety of things like uh, film and TV, the the sync game, licensing game for commercials, advertising, any kind of promotions, any uh, feature films, television shows. There's so many much need now with the streaming content becoming more and more available for that kind of stuff. Um, writing those songs for other artists as well that m- will be pitched for licensing. Um, I've, I just recently signed a deal with a company called Sweet on Top, and we do kind of customized or, or uh, 
highly involved uh, licensing. They give us a brief and tell us what they really need. And here's the things that hit well. And it's, so it's writing with purpose and writing with intent rather than here's my feelings. Um, and, and, and it's, and it's not that big of a discrepancy. Like you still have to write well, you still have to like give real emotion, but you have to learn how to contain that into generalized ways. Um, and then I'm also releasing my own content all the time, keeping an eye on the licensing game. So this is me. This is Ryan. Innes. I have written something that's, you know, meaningful to me, but it also has enough of the checks, you know, enough of the boxes checked to be able to be pitched for licensing. So I'm trying to play the game basically with staying real to what I want to make, saying what I want to do, saying what I want to say and, and finding real outlets for those things rather than just putting it up on Spotify and asking my friends to listen. So um, that's going to be my 401k, hopefully long-term. Um, I got to make, you know, you got to make some dollars that become passive. That's what I've learned lately and uh, from a lot of different angles and sources, not just music, but so I'm really trying to create the, uh, the drops in the bucket of content that can work for me beyond having to play a show and make my whatever amount of money for that night and in, in exchange for my time. Um, I know that eventually my voice won't be what it is now. I know eventually I'll be tired and I won't want to be out late at night. I know eventually I'll have kids and a family and I'm, I won't be able to, to be as readily available for that too. So I need to have these systems and processes and working for me that I can even do while I'm still in my older age for my own, you know, studio or home or whatever. So I'm, I'm kind of in that transition phase of, of long-term of proprietary content that can work for me when I'm sleeping kind of thing. Brilliant, man. It's brilliant. And it's been fun to kind of watch your journey because I think we met when we were in college. I was, we were in a projects class with Ron Simpson back in the day and I actually auditioned to be in uh, Vocal Point, which you were a member of, but I did not get in because I'm not that great a singer. Um, I didn't realize you tried out for them. Oh, yeah. I don't remember uh, what happened uh, and, and why it didn't work out, but I think there were just a ton of talented singers. And I was like a guy who sang in high school, but didn't. Oh. I wasn't like a singer. I just enjoyed <laughs> singing. So I, I think got there and I was like, the, yeah. Oh, I think like more than half of the guys were either music, like music majors or straight vocalists for, for their degree. So it started to become highly kind of focused that way. So yeah, dang it. That would have been fun to be in there with you. It would have been fun, right? I could yeah. have been one of the good guys in the background, just doing the do's. <laughs> that was a fun thing. That was actually part of the journey for me. was vocal point yeah. was, was some of that, that I learned there. It was a couple of years I, I spent kind of learning as well. Yeah. Well, I want to um, zoom in a little bit on one part of what you were just talking about, which is kind of the transition from time for dollars, being a, a musician who performs, who sells albums, who um, plays corporate gigs, you know, whatever it may be, like it's, it's probably heavily weighted towards the trading time for dollars. And now I don't know how much of it is because of COVID and the pandemic and the economy and all the stuff that's happened this year, or if it's just a natural progression of you, you know, getting more savvy at your business and understanding all these different opportunities. But what was that moment or where, where did, why did that shift happen? What made it so that you realized I need to do this next step and how's it working? How's it um, working? I think it was more of a gradual thing for me. I, I knew about the licensing game probably a, it's been a while since I've known about it and I didn't take it as serious because I was still really enjoying the live performance thing. I was still young enough to think that that's all I was 
really wanted to do. I was still trying to chase me with a major label deal or, you know, getting my songs out and being known as an artist that that was kind of my focus. Cause I, again, I'm, I'm late in the game. I, I came into this probably in my later twenties when I re- even really started thinking and considering this. So here I am at 39, almost 40 to about 10 years later being like, Oh, okay. There's gotta be a transition here. And I, I will say the pandemic was definitely a huge piece in this puzzle. Um, however, the biggest stuff that's making any kind of waves for me right now, I did before the pandemic. Hmm. Um, so it, it just became, I don't know when it, it became, it just it was an idea of like, I can't play three nights a week, three hours a night for the rest of my life. I don't want to do that. It's fun. I'm going to scratch that itch as much as I can, yeah. but I don't want that to be the thing I have to depend on. And that, and we're seeing in this pandemic, obviously why that's a, a hard thing. I, you know, last quarter got a check from the licensing side of my endeavors. I was like, man, that was amazing. <laughs> and you know, that had nothing to do with the pandemic at all. It had nothing to do with anything. No, there's nothing that could really take that down. There's always going to be a need for music. There's always going to be a need for content. There's always going to be a need for people that want to use that in their own project. So I was, I was kind of forced in both ways, just being, you know, getting my older age and realizing I don't want to keep doing what I'm doing now. And two, the pandemic just being like, now you can actually see how, uh, volatile your uh, current income <laughs> state is. It could be really good and really bad, and that's just not good for long term. Yeah, there's this concept in business called a single point of failure. And if there's anything in your business or in your work life that could potentially cause the business to end or to fail or to dramatically change, uh, it's great to cause or to put some redundancies in place, right? Personally, I, I see having a full-time job as a single point of failure because there's one guy, my boss, who could fire me. Yeah. And independent of any good work that I'm doing, whether I'm yep. showing up or not, whether I'm over-delivering, like it could be a random decision one day. It could be stuff that's completely out of my control, which is why I enjoy being my own boss because I can't yeah. fire myself. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, and that's, and my, even though I'm, just, I'm doing music and it has a specific um, aesthetics to it, I am basically a business owner, an entrepreneur. And so those things really resonate with me on that side of things. My content happens to be music. You know, the thing I create is this, but yes, I have right now, I have about five different income streams that are still developing and some are phasing out like the live performance thing obviously is naturally phasing out, but it'll still be a piece of the puzzle. It just won't be the piece. It won't be my single point of failure. Yeah. Super smart. So would you, do you think it's something where you kind of have to hone your skills and really become competent and talented and skilled as a musician and performer before you start doing all those other income streams, like doing licensing or doing partnerships or whatever it may be? Or is it something where a brand new musician who's thinking about becoming an artist and becoming a singer songwriter and performer is it something they can start right from the get-go? Well, the licensing game only works in your favors if you, obviously, if you have something to offer that is above the rest of the, the licensing game is now becoming saturated because of the necessity of this type of income for musicians, mm. especially with the pandemic. It's become just more and more, you're competing with the majors. You're going to have people lining up to get that placement from HBO, from Cadillac. And if they've got, Adele sitting there, you know, then your competition is, is, is big. 
However, their dollar, the budgets will be the things that kick people out. So when they start looking for lower end side of things, that doesn't mean that they want less quality. That means they just have to pay less for what they want. So yeah. I think the development of your skills is 100% the priority. And the, the, and it's like anything. I think if you, if you become so well-known, so well-versed that it's kind of undeniable what you're doing, then the opportunities come. But if you're going to sit back and be like, I need opportunities without actually having something to offer them, you know, that just never is going to work. So for anyone coming into the game and thinking as licensing as a thing they want to do, they still have to be a good writer. They still have to be a good performer or producer or singer, whatever, you know, the things are that they're needing in those, those worlds of licensing. Um, you know, and then it's networking after that. And networking only happens if people like you for one, but they also have to like what you do. And if they like you, but they don't care for your talent, then you're going to have a good friend, but not a business partnership with someone. So yeah, hundred percent, no matter what you do, the skill set that you have has to be a priority for you to have anything else after that. Amazing. Thanks for all that. Cause it's a lot of good info for those that are going to watch and listen to this. I want to ask one more follow-up question, then we can um, pivot a little bit, but okay. this idea of becoming undeniable, right? You mentioned that word, which I love that word. And I think you've managed to do that whether consciously or not. And so I'm curious for you because you're undeniably a good performer, musician, vocalist, songwriter, and we have proof on national television of that. Right. So were you, how many chairs turned for you on the voice? Was it all four? It was four. Yeah. Yeah. Four chair turn on the voice, which we, if you're familiar with that show, it's, it happens three times a season, something like that. It just not, it's not normal. Um, and then you go on Songland and your song gets noticed and then put on the voice and picked yeah. up by the winner of the voice, right? Not yeah. to spoil the season for everybody, but like, so you just proved unequivocally and undeniably that you're a very talented vocalist and a very talented singer songwriter. Um, and sure there's some partners that you co-wrote with and stuff like that in there too. Right. But yeah. that aside, is this something you consciously worked towards to become undeniably that level? Or is there a certain amount of grace and luck and whatever you would want to call it? And for those listening and watching, like how do you go about adding that to your arsenal where you're just like extremely good at what you do? Man, good questions. Um, I think in my line of work, obsession actually plays in your favor at times. I was just obsessed with music. I became obsessed with learning how to sing well. I became obsessed with writing good music and writing good songs. I was obsessed with certain lines of certain songs. I was obsessed with, obsessed with the concepts of it. I, if the thing that you're doing, it doesn't like kind of take you over. And, and I don't want obsessed to be in a bad connotation here. If you were just very intrigued and motivated and actually get, you know, personal satisfaction that is healthy out of the thing that you're doing, then if you're not getting that, then you should definitely take a look at what you're doing. So I was just picking the right thing for me first. Um, I tried to be a doctor. I was, I was actually studying. Um, I got my pre-med degree in, in, uh, in my associate's degree. And then I um, thought I was going to go into the medical field and become a pediatrician. I had this whole kind of thing going for me. And I always second guessed it, never, never fully settled into it, but it was honorable. It was going to be high paying. Um, it looked good on paper. It, you know, it was all the good things. Oh, you're a doctor. Put all the superlatives in there of how awesome you are. You know, I was kind of buying into some of that. And 
when I finally came back to being honest about it, I had to give music a shot. So I did, I did give music a shot. And every time I put my faith into it, it's worked because it was the thing that filled me up the most. It's what I'd be doing even if I wasn't making money. Um, so first and foremost, my, my reasoning for, for wanting to be good at it or, or being involved with it for so long and, and at such a high level is because I loved it. So if, if the people coming into this don't absolutely love it, then they're not going to even be striving to do whatever. If, if you're just doing it to make money, it's not going to motivate you truly at the end of the day, you, you know, because the things that you get from the money, those might be great. But like if the process and the journey there didn't fulfill you, the end result isn't going to fulfill you. In fact, the end result is oftentimes kind of like, wah, wah. like that was fun, but like getting there was more fun. So in terms of being undeniable, be undeniable because you love what you do. And, and if you love what you do, then you will invest yourself into it in a way that you can't say like consciously, I did that. You know what I mean? Um, and then on the other side of talent and on the other side of, of love and on the other side of obsession was an idea of diligence. I became aware that this wasn't going to take two days or two years, two months. Like it was going to take 10 years to become an overnight success. I, that, I was taught that in, high, in college by Ron Simpson of all people. And so combining your love for it and your, your obsession and your diligence with it, all, with your ability to understand that it's going to take time and you have to invest into it continually and there'll be a lot of roadblocks. And I mean, I've had a lot of people say no to me. I tried out five times before I got on The Voice. Hmm. And, the, and Songland came around only because of The Voice. That was the same casting agency. So yeah, it's uh, be- becoming undeniable will be easier if you love what you do. And then, then you got to just, you know, hard work and diligence will always pan in your favor if you're doing that. So. Man, truer words, right? There's a, a book I want to throw out for those that want to kind of go deeper on what you were just talking about. It's a book called so good. They can't ignore you by Cal Newport. And that quote, that title comes from a quote from Steve Martin, where somebody asked him about how to, you know, land an agent and be a full-time comedian. He said, it's not about any of that stuff. You have to first focus on becoming so good that they can't ignore you. And yeah. I think that's they need to be said. coming to you. Yeah. And they're coming. That, to that's you. the only leverage you'll have. And it seems like you've seen that happen in your career, especially it feels for me being very adjacent to your career and even getting sneak peeks of like what's about to happen before it happens. Thank you. Yeah. By the way. Yeah, um, of course. <laughs> you know, it's, I can see those things are, accelerating and picking up because of the decade of diligent work you've been putting in. Yeah. I'll never not say this isn't happening because I haven't worked hard. I'm going to definitely be like, you know what? Yeah. There's, there is some talent. There is some God given talent. I know that I am always grateful for that. And I'll never say that that wasn't there. I also know that I was born into a family that had a lot of the play like played into the talent already. But then after that, man, I have been, I haven't, trying <laughs> i've been struggling there was a four-year gap i didn't put out music after the voice because of getting over some like blocks of whatever you know there's all of that emotional work to do too yeah. so um, yeah hard work is is hard that's the first you know reason it's there and two it's all, usually over a period of time not overnight absolutely very very cool so uh for sake of time and uh you know we want to make sure that we're being uh, not too long-winded. I, I'm trying really hard today to not be long-winded because I feel you can, like- You can edit out my long-windedness. <laughs> no, we keep yours in and we edit mine out. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so I do want to ask you though, and this is, um, I love 
being able to promote my friend's awesome work and the stuff they're working on. So we'll make sure to throw um, links to everything that you've talked about at, uh, at the end here. But okay. I do want to also see if there's a breakthrough that I can help you reach. Um, and it's a little bit of a test on my okay. end to be like, all right, can you do it? Right. So uh, the question then for you is, you know, what's something we can get you a breakthrough on in your business right now? Something you're struggling with, something you've been, you know, pushing against for a little while. What comes to mind? Uh, that's a good question. I'm, I'm really, I am, I've been thinking about it since you mentioned it to him before we even got on and I'm trying to figure out what part of that puzzle is something that I can do <clears throat> that won't be someone else coming in to do it for me. Cause I'm always a big fan of the DIY first. Like I should know what to, what should be going on and then I can have someone come in and help me. Um, I mean, I guess promotion can be a thing. Um, I'm, I'm creating a lot of content, but like, for example, I have a record, a single coming out on January 15th. <clears throat> um, I think it's one of the best I've ever had, to be honest. I'm really excited about it. Um, and I don't know how else to get it out there other than like Submit Hub, if you've heard of Submit Hub. And I've been... I haven't, no. It's, you know, bloggers, influencers, even labels. I've been <clears throat> pitching it through there. But I don't have necessarily, you know, PR contacts or um, things that I can go to and have this be known on broader scales and broader levels. And I'm not sure that that's even something I would even have access to. Um, and then coupled with that is other forms of content. Um, because if we're going to go big with the song, then I probably need to have more than just the thumbnail, you know. And I, and I know that I can do that. It's just a matter of like what's is a video really worth the time and money to do it? Or um, it, our lyric videos actually, you know, is, is the stuff that I put out, and, and this is a good question for any artist because even at my age right now, I'm just like, I feel like I'm just throwing a bunch of stuff at everybody. You know, it's like, listen to me, listen to me. I've got my new thing in the midst of all the white noise that's coming from every social media account, from every independent musician, from every independent artist of any form of any trade and any kind of business, whatever, like we're all clamoring for look at me all the time. And sometimes it feels very vapid and it feels like you're burning a hole in your own heart. <laughs> and, and you're just like, I don't want to have to ask everybody to like my stuff. So that's where it comes in. I hopefully the song does well enough, but I need to have channels to where when it is an undeniable good song that it can go that way because that's when the algorithms on Spotify kick in. That's when um, A&R start to talk. That's when publishing starts to consider stuff is like they need numbers to make themselves feel happy about a song so i don't know if i said too much to you and that's confusing but that's that's always going to be a, a part of that that puzzle for me because i don't have my own team i don't have a, a you know a publicist or a, a pr gal or i don't have anybody that is hustling my thing independent of me yeah no it's it, it's a perfect answer because it gives me a lot of context to kind of approach this with so um i want to talk about two parts of this one part is the mindset and the other part is like the tactics or the process or the system of distributing your work which is what you're talking about how do you get it out there that involves promotion the pr all those things it's distribution so let's start with the mindset because personally i think that mindset is like attributable to 80 percent of the success we're going to have in our business 
more so than the skill set or the tactics we're using or what tools or what websites or what partners or anything like that. I think the mindset comes first. So we'll start there. And if we have time, we'll talk about the, the tactics or the, um, the actual skill set of distributing content. So yeah. the very first thing, because all, all the words, if you went back and did like a little word cloud, um, things that would stand out like vapid and <laughs> um, inundated. And I forget the actual words you were using, but you know. Hole in your heart. Say it again. <laughs> Burn a hole in your heart. <laughs> Burn a hole in your heart. Yeah, there's, there's this onslaught of content from all the other artists and how am I going to stand out? Like you can start just hearing those words back. You can probably start hearing the mindset that's kind of underlying all of those comments, right? And the language we use is part of what reveals the mindset. And so the first thing we got to do is figure out how do we take this process of selling and promotion and distribution and marketing and make it something that's not all of those bad things that you listed out. Now that's not to say that Ryan, you're wrong and you're bad and stop it. Right. Oh, that's I know, not what yeah. I'm trying to say here, but yeah. um, imagine the difference if all of those process things, all those tasks of distribution and promotion and marketing and selling were fun and valuable and were a way to serve your audience rather than inundate them with your, you know, self-talk or self-promotion, right? So just this little shift from what it is that the way that you describe what it is you're doing can have a massive effect downstream. So for example, um, and this is maybe starting to pivot into some of the tactics, right? Um, there's this concept of uh, show your work, show the process, sell your sawdust is a way that I've heard it phrased online. Okay. And the idea is, you know, I, I'm just thinking about your song that's coming out in January. I haven't heard the song. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm sure there was a process that went into writing the song. Um, and whether that's something that you've documented or not, I would say maybe think about what could you document to show your audience the, the process. So if you're a craftsman, you're gonna cut things and there's gonna be sawdust left on the floor. So what does that look like for you as an artist? Where's, what's the sawdust? It's the, the words on the page that are scratched out, that are moved over here to the second verse. There's the chord progression that didn't quite work out. And then you finally nailed that, oh, I needed to add this one extra note in there to make it pull you into the next verse, right? I'm making stuff up, but you can see where I'm going with this, that there's a process that you went through and you've got what 10,000 followers, something like that online that not only want to hear your music, but they're following you for you. And so mm. all of the, all of the yeah. process, I know that's a mindset thing too, right? Well, because I feel like my day is normal to me, right? Like sitting in a studio and right, like all of my stuff feels just like the normal day to day, but I realize and, and recognize and I've had the conversation before with other people that that isn't a normal day for everybody, especially if they have like a nine to five you referenced earlier. Well, I'm talking super fast. Yeah. And, and I know that, yeah, like being in the studio is like, quote unquote, not normal. So I, I have to remember sharing even what, what I do day to day can see be seen as interesting to someone else when to me, it's just normal <laughs> yeah. so a question with within this 
conversation is, you know, you've had a probably ample opportunity to be involved in the process, either directly or indirectly of other, other musicians writing, producing, recording, releasing music, right? Mm-hmm. How much more excited are you when you know the behind the scenes where you were in the studio or you saw something or you were talking to them or whatever it may be, you knew something, one or two or 10 things extra besides, hey, I've got a new song out, go check it out. How much more excited are you about the music that's coming out when you know the behind the scenes and you've seen the process? Yeah, I'm I'm invested, I'll say. Like yeah. it's more it's more than interested, I'm invested because it feels connected, yeah. yeah. So we're all of a sudden shifting the conversation a little bit to going from how do I convince people to come over here and check out my music to I'm just going to show you what I'm doing every day and I'm going to show you the process. And in, like you just said, what happens is they get invested and they cannot wait until that song is released because you're teasing it and you're saying, I can't wait to show you this. And here's a demo and here's a Insta story with this one little word that I couldn't figure out. And it's just showing the sawdust, right? It's showing the process of, you know, you're cutting wood and oh, that one didn't turn out very well. So I got to scrap that piece and I got to put a new one down on the table and cut again. And all of a sudden it's changing the conversation from, okay, now I have this big event where I have to go out and figure out how to reach a hundred thousand people and convince them to listen to or buy or share my music. Instead, we're doing all that work up front and we're getting people invested. And then all of a sudden, because they're invested, we can say, I I need your guys' help. You're my record label. Can you share this on Facebook? Can you share it on, you know, add it to a thing on Spotify? Can you pre-order it or pre-add it to your thing? And the difference is you've got a whole, you know, 10, 100,000 set of fans that are are your record label. They're your distribution Mm -hmm. platform. And you've got who knows how many partners with how many, fans and friends and like the second third order effects of that are massive and it's bigger reach than you're going to get from some label who's got an email list of 50,000 people and says hey here's our new release today out of context right with not without all of that investment in the process yeah so that's how i would just thinking about this and trying to give you a quick bit of help is figure out how you can take it from something that's arduous, that's hard, that's not exciting, that's nerve wracking, that's like, there's some hesitation and resistance when you were first talking about distribution and promotion and all that stuff. How do we shift it for you, Ryan, to where it's exciting and a way to serve your audience and give them even more access and more ways for them to become invested? Yeah, well, in my mind, I'm already thinking how I could do that. I mean, a lot of it is just capturing what I'm already doing, just having something there that's recording like always be recording basically um and i and i yeah i I, that's something i guess i've resisted against because i personally as a fan don't look for that kind of stuff that's never how i followed artists i've never been the one that wanted to know what the process was necessarily like unless i wasn't being sold on it unless it was just like a general sharing however i'm the guy that like oh that's a cool song i want to go listen to it if i'm if i like it i'm going to share it i'm I guess I'm approaching my fans the way that I feel like I, uh, that I would approach it myself. And I have to recognize that I, I'm not going to be the typical 
fan because of my involvement with the music. So I, it's kind of a mindset change, like you just said, to see it from that side and giving them what they would want to see, not what I would want to see. Yeah, definitely. So I think we've got maybe 10 or 15 minutes left. So I want to show you something that I think would also help when you're looking at the process of gearing up for a big launch, like the launch of a new single, a launch of a new album, a launch of a tour, whatever it may be. Um, when you don't have the infrastructure of a label and people that are like a tour manager that's going to be, or a promoter or, or those kind of things, like, okay, well, how do we approach the process in a way that's similar to them so that we can actually kind of reverse engineer how we're going to achieve the results we want. So for example, maybe you want to get a hundred thousand people to listen to this new single in the first week. Okay. Well, how do we, how do we do that? How do we reverse engineer that to where we say, where are those listens going to come from? Because you've got 10,000 followers. So that maybe is takes care of the first, you know, five to 10,000. Well, how are we going to get the other 95? And so um, I want to, I'm going to share my screen real quick. So I want to show you this tool that we've been working on my brother and I, um, which is the whole, uh, the thing we're promoting with this uh, podcast. And so skipping, skipping over the initial steps of like putting in some of your own data and what you're already doing with sales and marketing and advertising. I think what we want to go into is this marketing tab. And so this is basically a way to kind of track the work that you're doing. And that might sound foreign because for artists, we don't do something like that. We don't do any mm -hmm. sort of analytics or spreadsheets or data tracking. It's just yeah. completely foreign, right? I, I guarantee just because I know you like this probably isn't something you've ever done in your life with your music nope. because we don't think about it that way. Um, and my goal with this is to make something so ridiculously easy and straightforward and clear that it, it takes five minutes and you already are doing 80% of the work that you would do if you had a full-time person managing this stuff. So here's how I would use it for you. In the lead up to, um, to this launch, this, the release of the new single. So we're at this week, December 7th, right? how many different pieces of content could you put out blog posts, tweets, Facebook posts, whatever videos behind the scenes things. Um, and with the goal of getting people to pre-save on Spotify, cause that's like a new thing that just started this year, right? Where you could kind of announce that a song's coming out in a week or two and people can add it so that you have a big, huge amount of listens on day one. Yeah. And then it helps you kind of boost it up for, the playlisting, which is huge on Spotify. Okay. So for, for you, what's like a really good goal for a single? Is it, is a hundred thousand, like, am I way out there or is 10,000 good? 50,000? What's kind of your ideal number? Yeah, that's, that would be really hard to actually say. Um, I don't have any metrics to know what's been common. I don't know any data that would be an average of what I've been and then I could set a goal above that. Um, I just, I know that the more I put out, the better it gets each time. Yeah. <laughs> it's been happening. Which is super important. At least yeah. you know that much, right? Some people aren't even looking. They just keep putting out content and they wonder why it's not working yet. Yeah. Um, 
do you, does it give you any sort of numbers as far as how many people have added it? Yeah, I can go into my, so okay. specifically for Spotify, we can go to Spotify for artists and they give you data for, uh, if we want to go in and save it, we could find out how many people have done that single I released in October in your fire. I could find out how many people have saved it for the last, I don't know, however long they give you there. I don't know if it's actually super customizable, but there is some metrics to go off of for that. Yeah. Okay. So we could set our focus on one metric and this is hypothetical, but this is just a way that you could potentially use this to kind of approach it in a way that a label would, because a label would just go and say, well, we need to get a hundred radio stations to agree to play this song on this day. And then they just systematically go do it until they hit their number. Right? Yeah. So we can kind of approach it the same way and say, okay, if we want to hit, let's call it 10,000 saves. Right. Um, and so we put out a blog post or sorry, not a blog cause you're not doing blog stuff, but say we put out a Instagram post or a tweet that says, Hey, I got a single coming out. This is what it's, you know, here's maybe a sneak peek or whatever the content is. And the call to action is go and pre-save it. Click on this link, save it in, you know, Apple or Spotify. And you can track that with, you know, maybe you're going to put out three posts a week and those, posts, you can actually track whether it's Instagram, whether it's Twitter, you can see in the analytics, how many people viewed that, how many people interacted with it, right? So maybe those three posts each got seen 4,000 times. So we got it 12,000 views of the content over that week. Um, I honestly don't even think you need to track the total followers, subscribers at the moment, but you could, you know, you could say you're at 9,000 or whatever, sorry, 9,000 followers. And sales from content, we could actually just change that to be ads to the, or pre-saves, what do they call them? Pre-saves, yeah. Pre-saves on Spotify. So maybe out of those three, we got a thousand, okay? And that's saying dollars, but let's, the nice thing about it is it's a spreadsheet, so you can customize it however you want. <laughs> mm -hmm. So um, you can basically go here and say, okay, for every three, we're getting a thousand ads to this pre-save. And so per post, we're getting 333 people. Well, we need 9,000 more. So you can just reverse engineer and go, okay, well, in order to do that, I'm going to need to do four this week, five this week, and six next week. And then that's going to get us to uh, four, eight, 12. So that would be 16 <laughs> doing math here in my head, <laughs> 20,000 views and then 24,000 views, right? And if the numbers hold true, then you're going to have um, 12,000, right? Change, change that 24,000. You got 240. Thank you. Just mess your numbers up. 24,000. So 9, 12, 15,000 and 18,000. Um, oh, those are just follower numbers. So your follower numbers probably won't grow that much, but all That'd of a sudden, nice. instead of 1,000, now we're at uh, 1333. And then this is going to be 1500 or 1600. And this would be like 18 or 2000, somewhere in that range, right? So that gets us to 5,933 people. Okay, well, shoot, we only got halfway there. So what we can use a tool like this for is being able to reverse engineer an outcome and basically saying, all right, my goal is 10,000, but if I only post three times and I only get 300 people to sign up per post, I'm either going to have to do more posts or figure out how to get more people per post to click on it. 
So you can do that by the way that you phrase the thing. Um, you can get other people to post about it so that maybe you're not doing 20 posts over the next month. You're only doing five, but you got 10 other artists that are going to help you promote it and they get some extra people. So you're starting to leverage other people and you're basically pre thinking out an approach to how to get that goal so that you don't get to January 4th and go, okay, it's release day. How come nobody added any? How come I don't have any pre-saves? Well, you didn't ask for it and you weren't tracking how well that ask was converting. I'm using business terminology, which is probably a little upsetting, but, <laughs> but can you see how thinking about it this way, which is probably a different way that, uh, that you've typically thought about it, can help you kind of reverse engineer a process or a plan? Totally. And it's more about recognizing there's a systematic approach that doesn't have to be overwhelming and dedicating the time to it. That's not going to be time consuming to, to the point of you can't work on the music. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, it's just the part of the puzzle that, you know, I want to be in the studio doing this. I want to be writing and creating. And I wish like Darren could just be my guy doing this for me. But until that happens, I have to wear this hat enough for me to actually have the, potential ability to have someone helping me do it. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a breakthrough for me. <laughs> yeah. um, if I could have a converse, a 15 minute conversation and have every single artist friend of mine have that realization that until I have an infrastructure and, and people to do this for me, it's on me or else it's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, it's, it's true. That's the hard part. It's like, it's not just my opinion. It's just the reality of the situation. And it is. You're an independent artist. You're an independent business owner. And there has to be some systematic structure of how you approach your ability to grow and having goals and sitting all doing all those things that like, when I hear, I'm just like, bah, listen to this song. Doesn't it make you feel good? You know, like, I, <laughs> I know, you know, I want to like, I have to bridge that gap. And this is the hardest part for independent artists in any, I guess, in a creative format that like, the, you see those numbers and like, ah, oh, like, I was like, Okay. Yeah. But so the mindset is going to have to change for me to be able to see that and feel that like I got to do this. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, the great thing is, you know, the tool is here to support you in that and it's actually easier than you think. So there's a mindset shift that yeah. could happen there as well with looking at data and your business and these numbers in that these are things that yeah. can empower you and help you figure out the biggest constraint in your business. And when you do that, basically it helps you do the right things in the right order. So if you're starting out as a musician, your first goal is licensing and you only have written one song, you're going to have a really hard time getting licensing. Even <laughs> if you're really good and you're putting in 80 hours a week to try to find licensing deals, it's just not going to happen. You don't have no. a library or enough content or enough clout to be able to go after it. Right. So it's doing the right things in the right order. Yeah. And the way we built this tool is to help artists who hate spreadsheets and hate business stuff to go, okay, just do this one thing right now. So between well, now and launch focus on one thing. Well, see, that's brilliant because no artist is going to be like, I hate that I did the spreadsheet thing and had success. With it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Hey, I got, I got 50,000 more people to listen to my song because I followed some simple things on the spreadsheet. Okay. Maybe the spreadsheet wasn't so bad, but for those of us that haven't done the, uh, the, uh, business number spreadsheet approach and had success with it, we're obviously just looking at it like, wow, mm -hmm. 
But if we were to do a simple thing, actually see results from it that were positive and didn't take our entire, you know, heart, artist heart out of the equation, I think we would be more excited because it worked. And then we're like, oh, the end result here is that people hear my music, which is what I wanted in the first place. So maybe I should look at this, not for the sake of I'm a nerd and have to do numbers to make things happen. It's like, oh, if I do it, more people hear the thing that I, I make, like mm-hmm. breaking it back down. That, I'm going to cut and paste that and put it all over the internet as a testimonial of why people should buy this thing. Yeah, um, there you go. <laughs> man, super cool. I think we're, we're kind of at our time. So Ryan, the great thing about this is I'm going to send you a free copy of this and you will have lifetime access. You know, Dope. next year we're turning this into an actual application that's like online. It's not just a spreadsheet, but um, okay. for you, you get this and you'll get lifetime access to that. For those watching and listening, um, you can go to benchmark.app and you can get your own copy of Benchmark with a whole bunch of training on how to use it to get the things that you want in your business. It may not be more people listening to your music, but it may be something similar and that's what we're here to help you do. Um, Ryan, where can everybody go and find you and listen to your music and give you money for all the awesomeness that you're (laughs) Okay, well, I I use Instagram the most for my social media. I just... I tend to like to engage through that. That does also connect to my Facebook, but that's all just under my name, Ryan Innes. Um, come follow me. That's where I post, you know, anything that's going to be part of the process we talked about. Um, I'm also all over Spotify. That's my main focus with the digital streaming. It kind of just is that way in the music right now. They're like the biggest thing to be on. So I'm all over Spotify. Check that out. It's just under my name. And then if you want to engage in any more, there's, you know, my website again is just my name and it'll have the music. It'll have the videos. It'll have some of my backstory has some cool pictures, whatever, but yeah, those, those are kind of the main places that I'd send people right now to, to get up-to-date information on what's going on. Awesome. Awesome. Go check out Ryan. You will not be disappointed. There's going to be some videos and some links and stuff in the show notes that you can check out, but please go listen to his music. Cause it's the stuff that we listen to at my house all the time. It's like our awesome. favorite genre and, and Ryan's seriously one of my favorite artists uh, on the planet. Oh, I have a lot of artist friends. So Ryan, thank you for doing this. Um, Thank you everybody for watching and listening. Please subscribe on YouTube and in your favorite podcast player. Check us out at benchmark.app. And uh, thanks, man. Let's do lunch soon. Let's do it. All right, man. We'll see you. Thank you again for listening to or watching today's episode. Once again, we remind you to go check out the free training we have for you at benchmark.app and learn more about this tool we've built to help people like you get control over the results of your business.